Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, everybody, back to the Believe in the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Golden of Jets X Factor, and I got my co-host, Lamont Jordan, former Jet running back here with me. We are here to break down an absolutely incredible first round for the New York Jets in the 2022 NFL Draft. They started the night with two first-round picks, ended up coming out of the draft with three first-round picks, all of which are going to be immediate impact players. Uh, This was an overall fantastic night. The Jets definitely had Lamont and I sweating it out for a good portion of time there, watching Jermaine Johnson fall down the board, but we're very glad to have him in the fold let's go ahead and start things off right at the top of the class fourth overall Ahmad Sauce Gardner the cornerback from Cincinnati Lamont what was your reaction to Ahmad Gardner at four first off let me say you know we had practice yesterday for the Divas getting ready for our game against Baltimore um and so you know I'm not even thinking about the draft like before practice started one of the coaches was watching he was a Giants fan so he had it on ESPN but once practice got started, like, I you know, I wasn't even thinking about the draft. Then got a little break, headed out, and I look at the text message, and I see the first two picks that they said that, that you sent me. And I was like, yep, what the heck? Like, we took Sauce Gardner, and then we took Wilson with the second pick. I'm like, how do they let it? I'm like, okay, something's got to be wrong. Then I went and checked the other draft picks. I'm like, oh, my gosh, nobody took Jermaine Johnson, and this is who we picked? And then when you text me and said that we got JJ, I said, okay, it made the sauce Gardner pick look a little better. Um, for me with the first pick, it's a wait and see for me. It's a wait and see for me. I think he did a good job against college wideouts. Um, I think that he's a guy that tall receivers, that the only thing they can really do is just run fast and run straight post routes go routes maybe the occasional dig route I think that he, he he'll excel up against those guys but I'm interested to see and, and and really listen you got a bloodthirsty wide receiver in Buffalo that's going to be coming at your yep. throat and you, you got an Ty- even bloodthirstier one in Tyreek Hill in I Miami say, now yeah, uh-huh. Tyreek Hill. and so for me for the first pick um I have concerns about it it's gonna be honest yeah. with you. I have concerns about it and we talked about this earlier in the in uh, in the you know lead to the draft that I really like the other guy um but for me it's a with that first pick it's a hey let's just wait and see yeah I'm a I'm a little higher on you I'm gonna a little higher than you I'm gonna be honest um sauce was my number one corner so I definitely got the top guy at the position there um we had said last week we didn't think they would value the position as highly as they did to take somebody with the fourth overall pick at cornerback. We thought they would value the trenches more so than the back ends. That seems to be what Sala and Joe Douglas have preached, you know, throughout the entirety of their tenure. Um, So it was definitely surprising. I like his fit in this defense though. I think for what he's going to be as a boundary corner, that's exclusively going to be a boundary corner. um, I think he's got enough range and instincts and fluidity to be good in zone. I think on third down when they need a guy to lock up one-on-one, you know, going against the shiftier of the shifty elite guys like Stephon Diggs and Tyreek Hill, I think could be a challenge for him just because he's a little wirier, a little longer. I don't know if he's as quick twitch agile to keep up with those guys in man to man all over the field, but he's a heck of a lot better than anyone the Jets had on their roster right now. And mm-hmm. I think outside of adding DJ Reed, this is this has been a complete secondary overhaul. 
you know, the Jets have added DJ Reed, the other corner. They have Jordan Whitehead safety. I think there's a good chance later tonight they're going to add another safety um, within rounds two or three. Um, and they're really trying to rebuild this back end. So I, if I had to grade it, quite honestly, knowing that they got JJ still and they were able to keep him in the fold <laughs> and looking at it as a collective draft, um, I got to give it an A because I think Sauce Gardner is going to be a great fit. Um, I think he's going to really help out the back end. I think he brings an attitude to the defense that they've been severely lacking, especially on the back end. And at least from what I was looking at and the, the post-draft calls and the videos that were released and what Robert Sala and Joe Douglas had said, it sounds like this guy was, if not the top overall player on their board, then like second. They, they sound absolutely <laughs> over the moon to be adding him to this defense. And for Robert Sala specifically, the defensive line, first and foremost coach, to value a corner so highly, it really speaks to what they must think about him. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm just not as high on the draft pick, to be honest. Yeah, with no, you. I get it. Listen, I get it. It's not what I would have done. Yeah, if I mean, I'm sitting here looking, and when we talked before, I really like um, Andrew Booth Jr. I, I, I think that you, you know, you, to me, you're getting kind of the same player. But for me, Booth Jr. has played against better competition on a more consistent basis. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so more consistent basis, I agree with. I will say that Cincinnati is a pretty dang good receiver in this draft, and Alec Pierce, um, who's still on the board, but will probably be off the board sometime in the second round uh, later tonight. So that's a guy he was practicing up against. And when they played Alabama, he played really well against Alabama. So in the, yeah. the rare opportunities he's gotten – I agree you would have liked to see him face better competition overall, and there is a little bit of that. You're sauce gardener, and you never gave up a touchdown, but you did it at Cincinnati, so what does that really say? I, mm -hmm. I agree there is some of that there. And like I said, I worry about him against real shifty wideouts just because of his frame um, and his ability to you know match up with a guy like a Garrett Wilson, who's 5'11", 183, who can stop on a dime and cut any way he wants. Those are going to be some really good training camp battles to watch to see how um, each of those guys handle each other. but. I just, I think at the end of the day, guys that are his size with his length, with his speed, he ran a 4-4-1 at the combine, his press technique, which is, we have like his technique in press is fantastic. It really is. His ability to get into the chest, to squeeze receivers to the sideline, guys like that are rare, just mm -hmm. from a frame aspect, from a build aspect. And I agree with what you're saying about Booth in terms of a size and athleticism standpoint, they're very similar very wiry, quick twitch, able to, you know, if anything, honestly, I think Booth might be a little more fluid overall. He's not as yeah. big as Gardner is, yeah. but I can definitely see from a fluidity standpoint, he's a little better in that aspect. I, I like this pick again, a lot more considering they got Jermaine too. If they were yeah. to, if they were to not have that first round caliber edge rusher on top of this class, and it was just sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson, I'd be a lot more down overall, but I can stomach the idea of sauce Gardner at four a lot better considering they got Jermaine where they did. Yeah. Listen, I I'm with you hundred percent on that. And I, and I'm telling you like, like the mixture of emotions, just reading the text yeah. message that you sent me. I mean, I went from being heated. Like I was heated. I'm sitting here like, what are they doing? And, and, and I, I just, I'm just so happy that they got Jermaine. I really think that getting him for me kind of saved the draft for them as far as the first round is concerned. Yeah. Um, and as I'm just thinking about it, just, just more and more. Sauce Gardner. Okay. I, I think he's a good fit as far as when you think about personality. I mean, he has a great opportunity mm -hmm. to 
get a lot of endorsement money living in New York. City. Oh my God. Big, big applesauce. Are you kidding yes, me? It's yes, yeah. But, but on the flip side of that, you know, this is New York media. All right. This is New York media. Yep. And, and as far as I'm concerned, there's no other media like that. You have some that can, that can kind of claim it's not in New York media. And, yep. and if he doesn't come out there and perform, then, then, you know, they're going to eat him alive. And I just feel like if that was your number one guy on the draft board, I feel like you could have traded down, possibly picked up more draft picks or just anything else and still got him um, at a later pick. Or I, I'm just, I, I'm just, I'm just not sold on him as the fourth overall pick. I mean, I, I think that he has a good upside, but for me with the fourth overall pick, I, I don't like having the feeling of, okay, well, let's just wait and see. I think that's too high. I, I don't think that that's the proper mentality that you want to have as a fan looking at your yeah. fourth overall pick. But with that said, um, when you look at their other two picks, I really think that it makes up for it. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. I, I agree with, with what you really highlighted there. And that is the expectations that are going to come with taking sauce Gardner fourth overall. When, when you take a corner that high, you're expecting them to become one of the best at their positions and in the NFL and a lead of the elite shutdown guy that can match up against anybody you put up against him at wide receiver, and he's going to be able to compete. No problem. So I'm right there with you that there's a ton of expectations behind it. You also have the New York aspect. Everyone in the world is going to be comparing him to Terrell Revis. And just by the nature of the fact that he is a highly drafted corner on the jets, and for fair or unfair as that is, because Darrell Rebus is a first ballot Hall of Famer, and to expect Sauce Gardner uh, to walk in with those sort of expectations on his shoulders is definitely going to be a lot. The New York media is not going to have, you know, any problem putting that on him whatsoever. So there is a lot of that where the expectations are absolutely through the roof. And it's clear that the Jets valued him very, very highly. Um, I get what you're saying about you could have potentially traded down and he would have been available because I think we saw the Giants at five wanted Thibodeau. They were able to get him. They got the Panthers took an offensive tackle. I think that that would have been the case regardless. Um, you know, the Giants again at seven took an offensive tackle. So you're kind of wondering, would there have been a couple more picks down the board? They could have moved down and potentially gotten Sauce Gardner. Yeah, but my other thought is I don't know who's coming up in a trade. I don't know who you're going to have as the dancing partner to move down far enough to where you're still going to be in range of sauce Gardner. You have that pick at 10, but I don't think you can sit and wait for him to get to 10. Cause I think you'll have a team jump in front of you to come get him before the 10th overall pick. So ideally you're hoping maybe the Falcons come up from eight and they're able to, they want to, they want to secure Drake London. Like they ended up taking eighth overall. They took Drake London. They want to secure him that badly. It would have been possible. It would have been great. But I can understand the idea of this is our guy. This is the guy we've zeroed in on. This is the guy our coach really values. This is a guy that's at the top of our board. And we're not going to risk letting him go. We're just going to take him here at four and go from there. Um, so I, I, I agree. The expectations are huge. And yeah. it's, it's a lot on him. And I think when you have a guy that very clearly has a lot of confidence, if you're going to walk around with that sort of nickname and, and the mantra behind it and come up to the draft with the, the studded out sauce bottle chain, like, and all of that, you know, you want the, you want the expectations. You're inviting that, that comparison, you're inviting the confidence and then corners in particular, I think you have to be more confident to be a cornerback than any other position on the field. You need yeah. confidence period in the NFL, but yeah. as a corner, you're going to get beat 
10, 15 times a game, you know, sometimes you'll have games where you give up 150 yards receiving and you got to come right back on that next play ready to go like it never happened. They talk about quarterbacks having a short memory after bad plays as, you know, throwing the ball. It's no different when you're a corner and you're in coverage. You got to have that same short memory and that I am the best mentality because uh, you're covering the most supreme athletes on the field and wide mm-hmm. receiver. And they come in all shapes and sizes like we talked about. The bigger yeah. guys who will be the downfield post, you know, go route guys. And you have the smaller shiftier guys. And you have corners of one build that have to cover them all depending on the matchup that week. So I like his confidence from that aspect. I am worried a little bit about the expectations. I think it is a little high. Um, I think they're putting a little uh, mush on his plate, making him the fourth overall pick. But overall, I'm not too upset about it. And I think he's going to be a solid fit in the defense. Um, let's get to Garrett Wilson. This is a guy you really liked when we did our receiver previews. This was a guy you highlighted as uh, your favorite. Um, so I'm sure you're happy with the addition of him overall, regardless of value of 10th pick. And we'll get to JJ in a second and, and how much we love that. But just what is your thoughts about Garrett Wilson in a vacuum for this team? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. If you want to take a wide receiver, then this is the guy that, that, that I think that you take. Um, you know, you look at the speed, the route running. Um, I just think that he just has it. And when yeah. you look at his upside, I just think that he has a tremendous upside. I don't think that you could have went wrong, wrong with, with any of the wide receivers. And to be honest with you, for me, there are really four that I think about that are this type of wide receiver. Both of them are from, two of them are from, are from Ohio State. Um, and and I like Dobson out of Penn State. These fast guys that when they get the ball in their hands, they can they can hit the home run, but yeah. who are also great route runners. And I think that that's what we needed was a guy that, that has top end speed that can put pressure on your corner to make them feel threatened, but also a guy that can run routes. And I think that he's yeah. a good I think that he's a good route runner. Um, and and when you talk about being efficient you know offensive football being efficient you know we everybody loves to get excited about the deep pass and all of this that and the third but at the end of the day being able to have a wide a wide receiver that knows how to work zones that if you're going to play off coverage on him he's going he's going to put yeah he's going he's going to put pressure on you and the guy that that can make things happen when he gets the ball in his hands um you know i love it listen right now my starting wide receiver core, if I'm coming out in half, meaning I have 11 personnel, one tight end on the field, one running back on the field, three wide receivers, I'm going with Moore, I'm going with Berrios, and I'm going yep. with Gary. That, yep. that, that is my wide receiver core. Uh, the fact that you drafted him this high further confirms what I've been saying, that you just don't believe in Corey Davis as a number Not one. Not at all. And nope. for for just the – just the process of Zach Wilson getting better. Let's let him go ahead and go with these young, speedy wide receivers that that he can actually build a relationship with. And for right now, at least two of them, he's going to be with for at least another three or four years. So yep. um, I love that pick, man. I, 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 I love that pick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Garrett Wilson was not my wide receiver one. He was my wide receiver three. But in terms of fit for what the Jets need, you nailed it. You absolutely nailed it. This is a guy that's capable of winning one-on-one when it's third and seven and you need a guy that's going to get open over the middle and beat that coverage and get open for his quarterback, either on an in-breaking route or an out-breaking route or a, a comeback or whatever it is. Garrett Wilson's a guy that, is, that knows how to create separation. He knows mm-hmm. how to get open. And that is something the Jets severely need in, on their offense is guys that can get open. 
and create separation and get create passing lanes for Zach Wilson. On top of that, he has enough vertical speed to be a threat deep. It doesn't, it's not, you know, I wouldn't say it's the best part of his game, but he's definitely not lacking. You're definitely, you're worried about Garrett Wilson beating you over the top. It's not like defenses are sitting there going, oh, this is Garrett Wilson. He's fine. We don't have to, we can press him all day long and not worry about getting chopped up underneath because even if he beats us off the line, we'll recover. Uh Uh-uh. You press Garrett Wilson and lose, game over. He's gone. And Zach Wilson's arm, he's not under throwing that ball. He's not going to have the Garrett Wilson's not going to have to slow down after he's already three step three yards ahead of his man. He's going to be able to run under that thing full speed. So defenses are going to have to be scared and his versatility from, like you said, a yards after catch aspect. I think I didn't value that quite high enough as I should have with his evaluation, looking at back at this and maybe this is now he's a jet and I'm being biased and convincing myself of that. But I really do think that he can be a two-way player where he can create for you short with the yards after the catch as well as be a downfield threat whereas as much as I love Chris Olave he was my number one receiver he wasn't as good in that tackle breaking ability he wasn't as good in in the yards after catch aspect he was an awesome route runner I thought he was a legit serious deep threat that did not get enough credit for how good of a deep threat that he was but I agree that from a three tool aspect of consistency over the middle body control making contested catches deep speed and yards after catch Garrett Wilson fits all of those boxes. And I thought of this uh, comparison this morning that I hadn't thought of before. And I went and compared them RAS wise, and it certainly came out pretty similar from that aspect, but Garrett Wilson reminds me a lot of Brandon Ayuk in San Francisco. And that's a guy that Michael floor is very familiar with as is Robert Sala in the sense that they can win yards after catch ball in their hands. They're great route runners, really similar builds and have enough speed, you know, to threaten you. I think Garrett Wilson's like a little more juiced up version of a Brandon Ayuk. I think he's a little more explosive down the field. I think he's gives you a little more as a deep threat overall. Ayuk may be a little bit better with the ball in his hands in terms of breaking tackles but he's not the same deep threat that Garrett Wilson is, but I can definitely see the fit and Michael Floor in particular, liking Garrett Wilson a lot enough to make him the 10th overall pick in the draft. And like I said earlier, according to their press conference, the Jets got three of their top eight players on the board. So that means, yeah. So that means at worst, I think sauce Gardner was either one or two for them. Mm-hmm. At worst, Garrett Wilson was their eighth overall player at wide receiver, or Jermaine Johnson was their eighth overall player at defensive end, and Garrett Wilson was even higher. So yep. these are guys they very, very clearly valued incredibly highly, and I definitely think that that fit from the the San Fran, San Fran Iuke aspect and the role that yep. he's going to fill for the Jets is going to be the exact same role. I love his pairing with Elijah Moore. I think this is a great pick. It's not necessarily, again, what I would have done, but this is by no means a head scratcher. This is by no means a pick I'm upset by. I think Garrett Wilson is going to do just fine in New York. And I think there's, there's something else to be said. I take this into account. I know some people may not value this, but I do take into I do take this into consideration. The fact that he played in Ohio State, he played in the Big Ten, he's just, he's used to playing in cold weather. Yeah. And playing in the AFC East, we've talked about this before, having to go to Buffalo in December or January, having yeah. to go to New England in December or January, and playing in New York during that time. Um, you have a guy that's played in it, so you're not dealing with a guy that's coming from down south that's never played in cold weather mm-hmm. has to make these, these type of adjustments. So... Um, just overall, I really I, I love that as 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 a tenth pick. And again, it goes to the next pick that we're about to talk about. All of this is made well because we got Jermaine Johnson. Oh yes, 
Jermaine, 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 Mr. <laughs> Jermaine Johnson II has been my favorite player in this draft since January. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I first turned on his tape before the Senior Bowl, I said he was the best player at the Senior Bowl before the Senior Bowl happened, and then he was so good at the Senior Bowl he left after two days um and didn't even stay for the game he said i'm good y'all seen enough i don't need to i don't need to do anything else what more do you want we're good here and every coach at the senior bowl agreed and said yeah you're good go home have fun um Mm -hmm. i have no on godly idea why he fell to the 26th overall pick i have no on understanding at all how that was possible the only rationalization i have for it is it's not like a bunch of other edge rushers were going ahead of him yeah Is that is that there was a big wide receiver run in the middle of the first round. You had the receiver trades with the Titans sending AJ Brown to the Eagles and Marquise Brown going to the to the Cardinals and them giving the Ravens extra picks and and all the movement with uh, the Patriots moving down. And there was a huge run on receivers. I think that had a lot to do with it. I think teams got a little too wrapped up in their analytics. And I think you had some teams apparently valued Jermaine Johnson just like the Jets very highly, even as high as a top 10 player, but just had other needs in other areas that they decided to go earlier. And some teams where I think the Seahawks are one in particular at nine, I was really surprised he got past them. I think the teams were a little too worried about the analytics and were worried that he didn't have the numbers saying that he was winning outwardly quickly. But I can pull up 10 million examples on tape of him beating guys off the snap right off the jump and being in the quarterback's lap before they're done with their drop. So whether that time in that particular play was 2.6 seconds as opposed to the cutoff of 2.5, I don't care. Because mm-hmm. in terms of what I'm seeing on tape, Jermaine Johnson wins quick. He, his 1-5-4, 10-yard split backed up the explosion that I saw on tape with him. And when they, when I got the notification on my phone that the, tight, that the Jets traded up to the 26th pick, after watching Jermaine fall, pick after pick, after pick and praying he wasn't going to be taken and praying he was going to keep falling and just saying, just keep going, get to a range where the jets will want to trade up for him, get to a range where they'll feel comfortable saying this is too good to ignore. And I just kept hoping and praying and hoping and praying. And when that notification came through, I almost put a hole in my roof. I jumped so high (laughs) because, Oh my goodness. I knew that that's what they were doing. The second I saw that, I need to see what the pick was or anything else. I said, the Jets moved back up into round one. It's for Jermaine Johnson. There can't be anything else. He is going to be such a great force opposite Carl Lawson. He's the perfect fit for this defense. Robert Sala said it himself that his size, his length, his speed, his tenacity, all of it is exactly what they look for. He's going to be a, a havoc wreaker, and I cannot wait to watch him on Sundays. Best pick of the first round, and it's not even close. Yeah, I um, – <clears throat> for- we're both high on Jermaine Johnson and anybody who's listened to the show, especially our last few shows, you know how high we are on Jermaine Johnson. It's just getting him. I just, I just feel like where the jets are with the youth of the team, because let's, let's, let's not be mistaken. This is a very, very young football team. Very young. Quarterback is in his second year. You're talking about, you just drafted a wide receiver that you're hoping is going to start. You just drafted the wide receiver last year, who's now starting. You had cornerbacks. I mean, we we were the young. You have ones a second year running back. You have a second yeah. year guard. You have yeah. a third year offensive yeah. tackle. You got yeah. yeah. You got a bunch of young guys. A yeah, we had a bunch of yeah. We had a bunch of young guys, and I think that he is he he he's just he adds to the franchise with his motor, his ability to set the edge. Yep. 
Um, he's not, he doesn't strike me as a big raw, raw, raw guy. He just Lead strikes by example. Guy, yeah, he just strikes me as a guy that just goes out there, puts in the work. He's very consistent. You can count on him. You could depend on him. And and it, it was just a huge pick. That's what made this draft for me for the Jets for this first round. Um, regardless of how I feel about the sauce pick, I'm not saying that that the sauce pick was a bad pick. It's yeah. just he's not one of my favorite corners. Yeah, but I, it's a, it's high. At fourth overall yeah. for a corner is high. Period. Regardless yeah. of who it is, that's high. And you're you got a lot of expectations, like we said, when you take a corner that highly. So and it's yeah, yeah. and you can make an argument that. It's as great as Sauce Gardner is, and I agree there's not a lot of guys with his build and his frame that come around that often. It's not like we haven't seen some really good corner prospects come out of the NFL, uh, out of college football in the last couple of years that didn't go as high as he did. Yeah, J.C. Horn went eighth overall. Pat Sertain mm-hmm. went 11th. And, and, you know, I'd argue those guys were equally as good as Sauce Gardner as prospects coming out. And uh, I'm there's a lot of expectations. But like yeah. you said, getting Jermaine – Makes everything okay. Makes it makes everything makes okay. everything okay. It, it makes it, it really makes everything okay. And and now it just it really sets things up for the remainder of the draft because you killed yep. the first round. Let hey, let's, right. let's, you 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 killed the first round. You got the edge rusher that you wanted. Yep. All right. You got uh I believe your number one wide receiver that I you had. I think so too. Board. I okay. think so too. Um, and your number one prospect that you had on your board, I believe you got. So regardless of how we feel about it, at the end of the day, the people who are there who are making decisions for the Jets, as a fan, you have to sit back and you have to say, okay, you know what? These guys know what the heck they're doing. I think this is two years in a row now, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. This is second draft. These are two drafts that when you look at the first round so far, this regime with the Jets they have this franchise headed in the right direction and I'm really yep. happy with this first round. Um, and I'm equally excited to see how they follow this up with the remaining picks that they have. Yeah. Yeah. Me as well. Uh, I, I absolutely love what they did. This is where I think I want to end uh, and to branch off the point you just make about you just made about this being the second draft where they've really done the thing, went out, got players that fit their scheme. And most importantly, they had had a lot of ammo built up from shipping off other players. You got two firsts for Jamal Adams, plus whatever you got on top of that. You got your second rounder from Sam Darnold. That was the extra second rounder this year. You had had other small trades to build ammo in between there. And they had all of this, all of these assets. And this is now two years in a row. The Jets have said, screw stockpiling assets. We're going up to get the guys we want. Yep. We're going up to get the guys that we have rated high that we know fit our scheme that we know fit our culture that we know are going to come in here and just be home runs and we don't mm-hmm. have to worry about is this guy going to pan out we know they're going to pan out because we know they fit us and they fit us perfectly and they fit us from a mentality standpoint as well that's what they did last year with Barrett Tucker where everyone said oh you traded up for a guard you came up nine spots for a guard is anyone <laughs> is any Jets fan worried about the extra picks that were given up that were late third round picks you know, those picks turned into Kellen Mond and like, I think a fourth, like, I don't even remember who the Vikings took with the other pick. That's how unimportant it was. Mm-hmm. The Jets said, screw quantity. We want quality as much quality as we can get. Mm-hmm. So if it means we part ways with the 69th pick and in this year's draft, 
to come back up into the first round. You give up pick 35, which was your high second rounder, basically mm-hmm. a, a, a fringe first round pick still. You, you still have pick 38, so you got a high second rounder still to use. And say, you know what? We don't need pick 69. We need Jermaine Johnson. From everything that I've heard from the Jets, and I don't think they have any reason to lie about this, ever since he got to 15 and was still available with the 15th overall pick, they called every single team one after another on the clock until they got to the Titans and had a trade agreed to. And luckily Jermaine Johnson was still on the board, but they were trying for an hour plus to get back up and say, we need to go get our guy. It was not an early decision. It was not, Oh my God, Jermaine's at 26. We need to go get him. It was, Oh my God, Jermaine's at 15. We need to go get him. (laughs) And it took him an hour to do it. Mm-hmm. they somehow were able to do it at 26 still. And if anything, it worked out better for them because they didn't have to give up as much coming up mm-hmm. from 35 to 15 is a hell of a lot different than coming up from 35 to 26. And I yep. like, there's just, I can't complain. I am so over the moon. There is nothing I can be upset about. Joe Douglas has his board sets his board. The coaches given their input to give mm-hmm. them the profile of the players. They're, looking for that fit their scheme. And then once he has that board, he goes out and gets impact players. And for a team that's been so lacking of talent for so long, I couldn't ask for anything more. This is, I'm very excited to see how the next two days play out because if round one is any indication, the Jets are about to walk out of this class with a goddamn haul. Now to that point, second round pick. Yeah. Who are you taking? I'd have to see how the board falls, but with the needs they have left, if I had to pick one guy, and the, the only reason I'm saying this is because I'm worried that your guy, Kirby Joseph, isn't going to be available until 101, and after 38, that's the Jets' next pick. They have a wide gap after 38. Mm-hmm. I'm taking Jaquan Brisker if he's there because I think they need one more safety. I'm worried about trusting the starting job to LaMarcus Joyner being in his 30s, coming off a season-ending injury. Uh, from week one and granted it was an elbow injury so it's not like it was lower body to where it could affect him as much running wise but I'm I'm not sold on the Marcus Joyner as a starting free safety and I think if you're trying to complete the secondary overhaul with this defense which it seems like they're doing they need one more piece to do it I think the best left available option is Jaquan Brisker so with with them making the moves that they made this offseason I think they brought in two safeties veteran just one just one, okay. Just one, Jordan Whitehead. Whitehead, yes. So do you think they take, you know? Yes, worse? and this is why. Because Whitehead's a box safety, and the Jets want to play a lot of cover three, or at the very least single high. If they're not playing cover three, they're playing cover one. Okay. They need that deep center field safety. And that's okay. why I'm worried about trusting LaMarcus Joyner to be that guy. They did it last year. We didn't quite to see how it would pan out because he got hurt so quickly in week one that he missed the rest of the season and we never got to see it afterwards. But LaMarcus Joyner isn't your future. Even if he's solid enough to play this year, that's not a guy that you're trusting long-term to be your starting free safety. And I think they drafted Whitehead to be that in the box guy. They just don't have, I'm not confident in Ashton Davis rebounding. I think Elijah Riley showed some promise, but he's not going to prevent me from taking in terms of best available player at position of need, it's Jaquan Brisker or Travis Jones, the defensive tackle from UConn for me. Those are, and, those are my two options. And so, and that's, and that's where I was kind of going. That's where I was kind of getting at. Yeah. Excuse me. Because for me, 
Um, I like Brisker. I, I, I really like Brisker. After watching, you know, watching his film, um, he would be a great pick for us. But in uh, yeah, they didn't go that route. Um, you know, you went to D tackle. You know, I'm huge on Zachary Carter, the D tackle. Yeah, I like him a lot too. I like I'm, him a I'm, lot too. I'm huge on him. Um, and this is something I was thinking about, and, and I really want your opinion on this because mm-hmm. I was thinking either go D tackle or go with with you know my position, the running back position. I don't think that Brees Hall would be available. At 38, I think so. It, I, he's not going to be the first running back drafted. Who would you who who do you really? Kenneth I think Walker, bro. I think I think that I think that Brees Hall is the best complete running back in this draft. Kenneth Walker is going to give you an in-between a tackles, tough guy. Um but he needs to shore up his pass protection and it doesn't look like he's going to give you much out of the passing game. Brees I Hall, think that's, I think Kenneth Walker can do more than he did. I think he, he <laughs> didn't get as many opportunities, but I don't think it's a deficiency for him. I didn't see, is he going to be Alvin Kamara? No, but I think he can be a, a serviceable enough. He can catch check downs. I agree. His pass protection isn't as good as you would hope, but, in terms of improvision skills, in terms of being able to create for yourself, there's no one better in this class to me than Kenneth Walker at that. Yeah, but I just feel like that he that for a back like him, he's a workhorse. I think that right. he I think that he goes to a team that they need that Jonathan Taylor type running running back where you're not going to ask him to do a lot of catching the yeah. ball out the backfield, but you can turn around and hand him the ball, you know, 25, 26, 27 times a game, 27 times a game. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm not a big fan of it. Um, if they, okay, so let's say this, because we both agreed that defense would be the best route to go for, yeah. for this next pick. I like, I like uh, Zachary out of Florida. I don't think that we're going to get Brees Hall, but if Brian Robinson Jr. is around, that's the name. That, that is my – after Brees Hall, I think that Brian Robinson Jr. is the absolute – when you talk about a piece that fits, that's it. I think that he is absolutely perfect for the Jets. And, yep. and put it this way, I'm so strong on him that if they were to take any of the three defensive players we talked about, Brisker, uh, I think Jones from UConn, and, and, and Zachary from Florida, if they take – any of those picks with the second round pick, I'm okay with them moving up to get Brian Robertson Jr. Because I think that when you talk about, <laughs> listen, to have the first round they had, yep. take one of the three defensive players that we mentioned, and in the third round, be able to get Brian Robertson. I think that when you talk about your offensive weapons, when you talk about that one-two combination, of of Carter oh and my Robinson god great with great with, duo. with 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 Berrios with Moore and then with <laughs> and, and the two tight ends they just signed come more hey man that that now offensive and Lake and Tomlinson at guard and you're getting Beckton yes. back at tackle yes let's go this offense about <laughs> to be serious now you know me I'm not a big fan of all the college stuff and this that and the third 
But if that's what you want to do, to look at your depth chart and to be able to say at any given time, I could put Carter and Robinson in my backfield at the same time in passing situations or whatever you want to do, and then have more Wilson and Berrios or those three switch any kind of way you want. Uh, yep. All three of them can do that, that jet sweep that they like to do. You're talking about keeping a team off balance. If you can mm-hmm. get one of those three guys and you can get Brian Robertson Jr., as far as I'm concerned for the Jets, the draft is over. It's over. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, I'm not so sure I disagree with you. I still think they need some depth at offensive tackle because I think we're, they're <laughs> one injury away from disaster uh, mm-hmm. in that spot. That's why I was against taking an offensive tackle at four because they need depth, not a starter, and you don't take depth fourth overall. But yeah. they still need some backups. They need another guy that can be a swing you know, backup for Fan or Becton uh, if they were to have any injuries. And right now we have to assume that that's a possibility with how Becton's injury history has been. Um mm-hmm. But, oh, my God, Brian Robinson would be perfect. He would be the 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 last piece of this offense, really. Uh, I, I really think we talked about it for a long time. They needed a power back. They needed someone with a little more juice. That's why I'm – that's why I really would not like Brees Hall at 38. As much as I like Brees Hall, he does not give you that much between the tackles with power. He's not so much the guy that's going to put his shoulder down and run through a linebacker on the goal line and, and stick his nose in there as – efficiently as someone like a Kenneth Walker or Brian Robinson. Brees Hall's more of a make you miss with a dead leg, run through the arm tackle because he's so fast you barely get a good angle on him. Uh, I I really wanted to see more out of him in terms of a tackle-breaking ability. But Brian Robinson, if they get Prisker at 38, they don't have another pick until 101. If If they think that he gets close to 101, if it's pick 90 and he's there, if it's pick 95 and he's there and they got to give up one more fifth round pick and it leaves them with only one more pick left in the fourth round. I don't care. I think you're good. I think they did such a good job. Joe Douglas has done such a good job rebuilding this roster that there really isn't that many positions left that need serious, serious attention until Mm -hmm. we know that they do. We're still hoping that we have guys to succeed. We're hoping they take the next step. We have plans in place for them. Is it guaranteed that every player is going to work out? No, but right now, the only positions that are left without at least a chance are defensive tackle and safety. After that, you're really looking at guys that might not be starters, but can still be playing starter (laughs) reps. And the next position on that list is backup running back. The next position on that list is a guy that can bring some power because Tevin Coleman can't live forever. And as much as we love Ty Johnson, he is not a power guy. That is just not what he does. And most importantly, Ty Johnson cannot be trusted in pass protection. And And Brian Robinson will stone the hell out of you in pass protection. So if mm-hmm. the Jets want to help out with these, with Garrett Wilson, with Elijah Moore, you want to get into a, a 12 personnel set with your tight ends and you want to take a deep shot where you only got two routes down the field, we'll put Brian Robinson in at tailback because he's going to be the guy that'll pick up the defensive end when you're doing your bootleg. He'll be able to stone that guy or the linebacker coming downhill on the inside blitz. He'll be able to pick him up too. I think he's the perfect fit. I would love to see it happen. But either way, I think there's plenty of talented running backs in this class. I think there's plenty of guys that could be solid receivers. We talked about Zamir White not too long ago at Georgia. Uh, Another guy that I think would fit right in that role as well as a big, tough runner. Maybe not as good in pass protection or as good of a receiver as Brian Robinson, but just as powerful, just as explosive. Um, I'm really excited for these next couple of days. 
I think the Jets, Joe Douglas said it himself. They got a lot better last night, and I definitely think they got a lot better last night. Oh, I agree with you. Not only did they get a lot better, but as you know, as we're talking and we're going through through this, I think that they have a great opportunity with their next three picks to 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 just completely just knock it out. Yep. The- value. Just look for value. Just look for and- the guys that are falling and just take add some more talent to this roster. And so we talked about two of the next three picks. Any one of the defensive players that we mentioned, all right, um, Robinson, all right, with that, you know, in that third round pick, there's a guy that I am really high on. And and I don't know if it'll be fourth or later or however it works out. But I'm going to go to the linebacker position. Mm-hmm. Okay. Inside so that's, after running back, that's the next one. Yep. Yes. Inside linebacker, all right? And realistically, you know, let's just, you know, I really think that there's a chance that this guy would be available. I am a huge fan of Troy Anderson out of Montana State. I am a huge fan of his. A guy that played quarterback, a guy that played, I mean, he played all over the field. He played tight end for them. Played tight end for them, played quarterback. But when you talk about a guy from a special team standpoint, Okay, he's a linebacker that we already have starting linebackers. He's a guy that I think can come in, have a year under his belt where he's learning from these guys, being a special team demon. And I think that he's a guy that that can put it this way. I hope the Jets get him. But regardless of what it it doesn't matter what team gets him, I think that he's going to be a hell of a player. And I will tell you this, I would much rather. The Jets get him than to allow the Patriots to get a guy like this. Yep. Yeah, that is that is it right there. Because the thing with Troy Anderson is that he is an athletic marvel. He yes. is a, a supreme of the supreme athlete at linebacker. Yes. A, a literal, I'm not saying this lightly, world-class linebacker athlete. Absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic. Um, speed, range, size, explosion, strength, all of it. He's got everything you could ever want. He's just a little bit raw with his instincts, and you're worried about the level of competition coming from Montana. Is it Montana State, right? Is the mm-hmm. earth? Yeah. Um, you're worried about the competition coming from Montana State. So when you're looking at fits for him, a team like the Jets with Robert Sala, with Jeff Ulbrich, with CJ Mosley as guys that can teach a linebacker the, the finer points of the position, that's about as good as you could hope for. Number mm-hmm. two is the Patriots. Number two is the Patriots. Bill Belichick with their system and Donta Hightower still being there and all the great linebackers they've had throughout over the years with guys that can be combo players. Troy Anderson's got some pass rush value too. They use him a good bit as inside blitzer. He'll run some, some loops to the outside. He would be exactly what New England would want. They would, they would look at him and go, that's Teddy Bruschi. That's, that's exactly who we can have in the middle of our defense. And, and they're going to be all for it. So I agree. Uh, I think if the Jets don't feel like they need to, and maybe for all we know, Brian Robinson isn't going to be valued as high because he's not as explosive as other backs uh, mm-hmm. and teams don't care about the running back position nearly as much now as they used to. So maybe the Jets look at this as a situation where they go, 38, we get our safety in Brisker. 101, we have this next pick. Maybe we bypass Brian Robinson and say, well, we might not be able to get him 
and we'll have to settle for another uh, another back later on in the board. But we come up to 75 for Troy Anderson. Yeah. And and I could see that, you know, I could see that fit a lot. He would fit. There's he would be an uh, an ideal CJ Mosley successor. And I think that is something that this team is is lacking when you're looking at things overall. CJ Mosley is not going to be playing forever. He is not going to have that many more solid years left. And I thought he really, as we honed in on, started the year really, really well and just ran out of gas as the year went on. And they really need someone behind him because I think, quite honestly, I think this might be his last year in New York. And so I could see you know, filling that need a year early, getting a guy with a ton of talent like Anderson and having him be a primary special teams player. Maybe he plays some sub packages where it's third and long and you need an extra guy in to cover uh, to have some more speed. I can see that being the case when you're playing mobile quarterbacks like Josh Allen and you need a guy to spy. I would much rather have Troy Anderson spy on Josh Allen than CJ Mosley. So yep. I'm, I yep. could see a lot of fits with it. I like that idea a lot. I think somebody's going to move up to pick him. Or he's I wouldn't gonna, be shocked at all. Or he's going to go surprisingly higher than than a lot of people may have them on this draft board. I know that the the level of competition comes into play, but I will say yeah. this as a running back that has played against linebackers. And this goes, and I think that it fits perfectly with something that Jermaine Johnson brings to the table that we both love. He is a sideline to sideline linebacker. Speed for days can cover okay, there are a lot of guys a that lot I've, of ground. There are a lot of guys that I've played against, a lot of great linebackers, but there are only a few that I can say are sideline to sideline. No matter where the ball is, no longer, no matter how long the play is going on, every time this person is on the field, this linebacker is chasing sideline to sideline. And a lot is to be said about a guy like that. So for me, I'm really not concerned with the level of competition as much because I'm seeing the athleticism. I'm seeing the guy that's willing to step up and be a thumper. And I'm seeing a guy that let's throw away analytics. When I just look at film, I see a football player. Yeah. And there's something to that. There's something to that. There's regardless of levels of competition. This is something I always say about quarterbacks is when you're throwing an out route from the far hash, Regardless of whether the guy's open by 10 feet or by 10 inches, mm-hmm. if you're throwing an out route from the far hash in college football with velocity, with pace, with accuracy and timing, that's mm-hmm. going to be a completion in the NFL, in the yep. SEC, in yep. in the 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 Mac, whatever, you yep. know, it's it's going to be the same thing. A good play is a good play. And I think with Anderson, the competition level was lower, but the athlete is world class. The yes. speed translates regardless of the level yes. of competition. Yes. The hitting ability translates regardless of the level of competition. The hip fluidity translates regardless of the level of competition. The arm length, the strength, the physical aspects of his game are elite regardless mm-hmm. of where what he's going up against. Troy exactly. Anderson is a fantastic athlete and, and moldable ball of clay. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be that way regardless of whether he's playing Alabama or Alabama State. So exactly. I... I I'm right there with you. I love it. I love the idea. I love this draft so far for the jets and I cannot wait to see what the next few days hold Uh, just a few more hours until round two and three kickoff. Thank you guys again so much for tuning in. The jets have been doing fantastic and we hope that they will be continuing to do things even more. Like I said, thank you so much for listening and we'll be back real soon to recap the rest of the jets. Awesome. 2022 draft class. Take it easy.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.